right now, I want to welcome up everyone who is going to be a part of our panel. If you could make your way to the front. Um, the way that we are going to close this evening is we wanted to bring up some people who we know um, can answer the question, so what am I supposed to do with this? Uh, we've talked about a lot, a lot this weekend, and we intentionally crafted our sessions the way that we did. See, we started with the global church so that we could get a picture of what God's diverse kingdom looks like. And then we went to our local church so we could say, okay, that was big, that was macro, that was big C church. So what about little C church? What about my local church? What does it look like to celebrate diversity there? And then we went to our community because you know what? If our church is not caring about our community, then our church missed a whole point. And so we said, what does it look like to create a culture that honors the community that we're in? And then we intentionally landed in the home. Because as Jeff said, our approach to diversity is only gonna be as open as our dinner table. If we're not intentionally seeking out relationships with people that are different from us, then we've created a culture of tokenism and we've entirely missed the point. And so what we're gonna do this evening is we're gonna, we're gonna close by talking with some people who are just like you. Here's the thing, everybody who came up here and spoke this weekend, yeah, they came from cool places. Yeah, they came from places all across the U.S. But the reality is they are no more special than you are because every single person in this room is created in the image of God. Every single one of you. And we've been given gifts and talents that are all different from each other because we need the whole body. Every single part of your body functions entirely differently and every single part of the body of Christ functions entirely differently. And you might be thinking, hey, I'm an introvert. I don't want to go out and talk to all these people. Well, guess what? So am I. <laughs> I'm real tired. <laughs> but listen, introverts, you're called to go and make disciples too. And extroverts, you're called to stop talking sometimes. Every single one of us is created unique, and every single one of us has a unique place in the kingdom of God. And so, panel. Right now, I would love for each and every one of you to just uh, introduce yourself. Um, Jeff, I know you already did, but, you know, give us another glimpse. Uh, so, panel, I would like for you to introduce yourself and just answer the simple question for us. Um, what's your name and what are you doing? Uh, my name is James Thomas Talbert, and I am a contemplative from uh, Akron, Ohio. I enjoy tennis shoes. Uh, Julia is my wife and Jada is my daughter. And uh, I'm also the lead pastor of a community that meets in Middlebury called Citizens of Akron. What's up, homies? Fan club, everywhere we go. <laughs> I'm Julia Talbert. Um, as James said, I'm his wife. Um, we've been church planners for three years. We have a two-year-old daughter, so um, my like number one hat is mom, but I also uh, teach special needs students um, on the weekdays, so that's what I do. My name is Jeff, <laughs> and what I'm doing is I'm sitting right here. No, I'm a, I'm a, lead, I'm a lead pastor in Pasadena, um, and yeah, that's it. Hello again, I am Courtney Brown. I work at Habitat for Humanity uh, in the family uh, department and also in operations. Yeah. I'm Jen Maurer. Um, I'm a reluctant pastor's wife and we have three kids. 
Um, I work at Hartville Migrant Ministry, and um, I'm passionate about foster care, adoption, and pizza. Hey. <laughs> In that order. <laughs> yeah. uh, my name is Sean Maurer. I am the reason she's reluctant to be a pastor's <laughs> wife. Um, I'm, I'm on staff and blessed to do ministry over at First Christian in Canton and working with disciple making and all the junk drawer stuff of everything that's not preaching, leading worship, or doing students or kids. So, yeah, it's good. Um, but I've been married to Jen for going on, geez, we like 16 years now. We're old people. We have three kids. We have two biological sons and a foster adoptive daughter. And we have skipped across America only to come back to where I grew up in Northeast Ohio. So, sorry, I just love Northeast Ohio. Like, it was just amazing. Like, it's just amazing. Um, uh, so we'll start, uh, we'll start by just asking um, the, basic, the basic question. So Jeff just, you know, um, uh, so well laid out for us, like, hey, bottom line, your world, only as diverse as your dinner table. Your perspective is only, is only as diverse as your dinner table. And so um, it may be an oversimplification uh, um, to ask it this way, so feel free to take liberties, but uh, tell us about your dinner tables. Who wants it? You, you already started. You got it. Ah. All right. My goal was to say, Jen, what do you think? Um, so our dinner table is um, a place where we do our best to invite people who don't look like us and don't think like us. Um, into our home and um, it's a, I'm an introvert as well and so I have a hard time going out I feel like and meeting people but it's much easier for me to invite people into my into my home um, and to be able to have what I feel like is real conversation to skip over some of the shallow stuff and actually um, get to know those people um, so yeah My wife and I have four kids. Uh, she is, she's a water polo coach for a university in California, but we have four kids, three of which are adopted, two of which are 25. They were adopted at 16. Uh, my youngest that is, will, will turn um, six in December is adopted as well. And we've had, I mean, in just the last five years, I think we've had 11 different people live with us um, in fact, when we even moved to Pasadena, we chose to choose, we, we really wanted a house that had a studio connected to the garage because a lot of houses in Pasadena had that. And so we found that opportunity and we have people constantly rotating in there as well as living in our actual house. And so we, I mean, most people look at us and think we're insane. Um, I mean, our dinner table is so diverse every single night, and there's people at our house for dinner every night, but it's, it's a beautiful testimony of what God's doing. But So we've had just a ton of people live with us over those years, too. I, um, this is, well, our dinner table is diverse. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, it's funny to me to, to talk about. Colors, yeah. We're three different colors, and we have the most light-skinned daughter on the planet, so we're a lot of things. Um, 
I don't know. I, I think this fits into maybe where we're going, I, I think. Um, early on in us church planting, um, our friend Carl asked, well, really didn't ask, but he said the most simple statement um, to our launch team that has forever stuck with me. And that statement is that, you know, there's seven days a week and you eat three meals a day. If you're like me, you're also drinking a few cups of coffee and snacking. There is opportunity to invite people into those moments. Three, you know, three meals a day, seven days a week. Um, so yeah, just invite somebody. I, I, this is gonna sound cliche, but I'm an introvert too, and I'm also real type A. <laughs> so I know sometimes it can feel inconvenient, or if you're like me, it can feel intimidating. Um, but man, if you just, you know, take a couple of those 21 times, again, add in the coffees, whatever your fix is, you can invite somebody into those moments. Um, so maybe that's helpful. Um, I think my approach was a little different, so I appreciate it so much now, but I grew up going to predominantly white schools, and by predominantly white, I mean everybody was white. <laughs> um, I was the only person of color for the first eight years of my education. Um, and so when you live a life of having to explain your uh, being, you don't want to invite anybody to your home. I'm just being honest. We had to, I had to grow to this because when I got home, I didn't have to explain anything. I explained things all day, my hair, my clothes, how I sound, what I listen to. Um, and so it always, at, at a certain time in my life, always seemed like the burden of reconciliation was on me, but I was resentful for that. Um, and it's not until I've grown into knowing what God is calling me to do that I don't mind explaining, because how are they going to know? I can't be mad about explaining and then be mad that someone's ignorant if they were in my midst. So, but that took maturity. So now, um, of course, I have friends from all over from many years of my life, good people, good friends, good families, uh, and, and we do share meals together, and they do come in my home, and I do explain the black art in my house and the books, um, and I'm proud to do that, but it, it, took, it took some time to get there. Yeah. So I know that every single one of you guys lives with great intention. The decisions that you make are thought out. You know where God is guiding you, or at least you have an idea where he's guiding you in the near future. Um, but you were not always like that. And I know in this room, we have a lot of questions. We have a lot of ideas. We have a lot of fire burning in us and things that we want to do. But the first step is terrifying. And so as you guys journeyed into sharing your lives, what was it that got you past your fear? And what, what was just the first simple step that you took? So this is probably the outflow of that. Um, probably long past us fumbling and just brazenly acting like we knew what we were doing, which stupidity 
and then later processing and then coming to but for us it's just kind of turned into two simple phrases that i think i say more jen lives more um we say yes when jesus tells us to more often than not and when we say yes he just has done cool stuff <laughs> um and we say no it doesn't go well uh and so we say yes we said yes to moving to dallas which didn't need new churches it's got a lot we said yes to moving to vegas and adopting in two days apart and that didn't that was not advisable <laughs> and then we said yes to coming back to northeast ohio which just personally for me i like was that was hard. It was hard um, to be near family, to be known, instead of a pioneer and out there and us like, oh, we're discovering new cultures. We're two basic white people from Ohio. <laughs> and to be called out for that is hard. So we say yes. Um, the other is that we just learn we see people and we step in. And we try to teach our kids that. That we have our eyes open and we don't turn away. And we step into that. And that's really the two intentional things that I think we just try to model for our kids and with one another. And so that's more the process side of it because it's ugly and hasn't always gone well. but. Those are the steps that drive us, was coming to some family values and saying, this is who we want to be, and then we got to practice that. But, Jen, what do you think? Um, I think, honestly, there's no really, for me, there's no really one easy answer to that question. I think, first of all, just like a burning fire and a burning passion, you know, where you can't do anything but act. Um, I think that's where that starts. I think also... Um, trying to constantly um, humanize people instead of dehumanize people because everything about our culture right now wants us to dehumanize people. Um, and so constantly trying to turn my mind to humanizing people, especially if I'm feeling, you know, scared or nervous or, or something like that. Um, and then Sean mentioned, you know, really our kids for me are a huge reason. I want um, the phrase my ceiling is their floor, um, it keeps turning over in my head, and that's what I want for them in lots of areas, but especially in racial reconciliation. You know, like I wanna lay the groundwork so that they can even go so much further, and um, I want to introduce them into some of the concepts that it took me until I was an adult to figure out. So for me, those are at least three things that kind of drive me and get me over some of those fears. Um, uh, the Holy Spirit, tested my integrity. Um, oftentimes in my walk, God has said, who are you and who do you think you are? Um, and if those two things are different, then you, you're, you don't have integrity in this walk. And so what I had to come to terms with is I can't feel some way about somebody or something and perpetuate that, what, that which I hate. 
and have integrity in this walk or even be able to claim the word Christian, believer, follower. We use these terms and yes, we're flawed and that's a part of our faith and that's great, but intentional, um, intentional, being intentional about not following him, that's not fair to him. That's not fair to his body. And so God was testing my integrity. And I eventually had to step up and say, you are Lord and I submit myself to you. And it's not even, there's a difference between surrendering yourself and submitting yourself. And surrendering is, I have no other option. And I'm trying to grow to submission. It's a willingness when there are other options. And so my integrity in him is what is drawing me to, to making sure that I am a part of this diverse church and love everybody, because that's what he asked me to do. Um, and so that's just my, been my process. For me, it's the realization that we only have one life to live. Um, and I think, I think we oftentimes take that for granted. And what happens in that is we end up getting in a posture or a um, season of life where we uh, live by the tyranny of the urgent. And so, and what happens is when we get in that tyranny of the urgent, we become reactive to everything life presents. Whereas Jesus lived a life of proactivity, like he lived a life with intention and with purpose and with urgency. And so Julie and I, it's like you have said you have two agreements or two, like that's kind of a, a statement that Julie and I, my wife and I live in is we wanna be intentional and proactive in the one life that God has given us. Um, you kind of have to help me with why are we intentional? That's the question. Uh, what, um, like, when you were first getting started, when you felt like God was calling you into what was, like, the first step that you took that got you past fear? Um, what got me past fear? Well, I still face fears, um, like we all do. Uh, I, I guess, um, what continues to get me past that is that I just grew up doing church so differently than what we do now, and I just grew up knowing, like, man, this is not it. Um, and I can, um, you know, I can say, like, sometimes in my head, maybe I feel like I'm not the most qualified. Like, I didn't, I didn't go to seminary. Um, I'm not this beautiful theologian like my husband. Um, but listen, like, I read my Bible, and um, I just ask the Spirit, um, and He steps in where, where I fall back. And I, I like what you were talking about with integrity, and, and in, even in intentions, we can have great intentions, and we can still make mistakes. Um, so I just, yeah, I think overcoming that fear and being intentional starts with reading my Bible um, and just praying and, and praying that God would still use me, and I wouldn't mess it up, um, that He would step in. You say it, babe. Thank you. You better get it. <laughs> I would say, like, the journey of in true intentionality started for me, like, far before I even had the idea of what our church would be, or far before I even knew what a missional community was. Like, it started far before that. Uh, for those of you guys who are here in Canton, the best kept secret in Canton is a woman at Malone named Brenda Stevens. She's the best kept secret in the whole entire city. Go find her. She's wonderful. But Brenda was the, is the multicultural director at Malone. And when I was a student there, in 2010, she told me that I needed to go on a service learning trip. 
like I had like only been on a plane once, let alone like ever left the country. Like I didn't know what a passport was. Like I'm from a raggedy part of Summit County called Barberton. So like I ain't know nothing about that. So like she told me I needed to go on a service learning trip. So I found myself uh, for 25 days in Europe. And when I was in Europe for 25 days, I went to this monastery called Taze, which is the only ecumenical monastery in the world. It's the only place where Catholics, Orthodox, and Protestants take communion together. So I'm there, and because I was like the biggest person on the team, they put me in the kitchen. So we were studying with monks. And they put me in the kitchen, and I was moving large pots of lentils <laughs> for 11 days. And as I was moving these large pots of lentils, on day three, I spilled it all over myself, and I spilled it on the ground. And the monk, Brother James, ironically, who was over the kitchen, looked at me, and he, could, he was so upset he couldn't even find the English words to, like, <laughs> rebuke me. And Brother James went in on me. And, like, the core message of his rebuke was, like, you didn't only spill the lentils for you, but you spilled the lentils for everyone. And as he began to just, like, unpack with me, like, the brevity of my spilling the lentils, and, like, I'm like, I spilled the lentils. Like, I'm mad that I busted my Levi's, and I got to leave them here. But, like, the sincerity... The sincerity of that rebuke, like, led me to just, like, learn from this dude and ask questions for, like, the whole rest of the trip. And right before we left, he looked at me and he was like, what is God stirring in your heart? And I just began to, like, just tell him my story and tell him about how I grew up in a town that was diverse and tell him how I was at, like, an all-white Christian institution and I'm having this cultural identity crisis and I don't even know why I'm there and they don't understand anything about how I grew up and blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me and he said, God may be calling you into that. And then he said, always remember, James, you cannot fix a house with a paintbrush and you cannot paint a masterpiece with a wrench. Use the proper tools. And I think for me, like from that moment I came back home, I began to really like check the tools I was using. I felt like God was stirring something in my heart and he gave me a mission. But the reality was like living a diverse life or even having a diverse dinner table doesn't come from like reading a book or even going to a conference, mm -hmm. but it comes from true, deep, intimate, passionate, meaningful connection with the one who is diverse himself. And yeah, from that moment, I just turned to more intention. And that intention has grown, and that's where my intention starts and ends, is, yeah, with deep and intimate and passionate and beautiful relationship with Jesus that flexes in season surely, but is the core and center of my life and practice. That's good. So um, I would like to address two demographics in the room specifically, and you guys feel free to address whichever one or both um, that you so choose. But for all of you, uh, to some level, living a diverse life caused you to engage the community around you. And Julia, as you said, for you, it was a community unlike the one that you grew up in. A lot of people in this room that I'm looking at are now, are living in a community now for the first time in their life 
that is very much unlike the one that they grew up in. And so um, my question on behalf of this demographic would be, um, uh, how, how would you now, all of you being years involved in this, how would you suggest we start engaging? And then the second demographic um, I want to address is that, uh, that of us that do not live in a very diverse community. How on earth? do we engage this conversation in our households when our neighborhoods themselves aren't very, uh, at least to the initial eye test, aren't very diverse? Either one or both. I think you've asked that. Uh, all right, I got thoughts but uh, don't claim to be an expert here. I'll tell you our story briefly. And then what I think, weirdly, God might have put on my heart with John 4. So I'm going to go with that because that's, that's, sorry, it's the reality. Um, we both grew up in monochromatic scenarios. Um, suburban outsets, more rural, more suburban. And both of us, I'll be honest, God just put in us a justice gene. And we found ourselves at a pretty white Christian university in Kentucky. So if we could, we got whiter. (laughs) And found each other. And saying yes to Jesus put us in ministry in North Carolina. So in the South, in a, in a context that was both urban, but by proxy in another county that was rural with a migrant population. And, it, and so we had this weird disposition of not being from there, but to see it for what it was, but to love both sides of that county line. And to try to just speak into it, not prophetically, but by model. And we wanted our kids to experience both sides of that county line. And in that season, God called us to Dallas-Fort Worth, and we didn't want to go there and put us in, in an urban but highly affluent socioeconomic context where independence was really the goal. And spiritual poverty is what we got to see. And to work in this context of trying to help others, and we aren't, we're, we're both poverty and, at times, <laughs> stricken with. And, and so an outsider's perspective, but love, and taught us to love those people. And then he called us into Vegas, which is a beautiful, broken city, but beautifully diverse. Because ain't nobody from Vegas. <laughs> they all got there and are going somewhere and taught us to love each other in our brokenness there and people who came from all over to see the best and the brightest but the most surreal and fake and to get to the core and then he called us back here and I'll get there I'm sorry Um, but it took us three months to find a house And he made us live with my parents and live the millennial nightmare of joyfully being dependent on my parents. 
while we had our kids. And then we moved from literally the Mojave Desert and being part of a church called Canyon Ridge. And he put us in a house and we're just dummies going on the tour on the corner of Canyon and Desert <laughs> in Hartville. So those streets shouldn't be named that there. If you're familiar with the region, it's, we move from predominantly Mormon culture to predominantly Mennonite. It's a swing for us. <laughs> and we are trying to find our way, what we died to, what we felt like we laid down before the Lord was a diverse experience. And wrestled with, God, you're saying go here, but what? But you know. <sighs> yeah. And then we prayed. And that's what I would say is we prayed and Jen can pick it up. So to speak to those of you in the room who might be living in the suburbs or who might be living in an area where you feel like, oh, there's just not much diversity, I would say to you, that's an excuse. And that's one that I have made in my own life. Um, but if you look, it's there. You just have to look and you just have to be intentional and you just have to be someone who is, it's bubbling up in your heart and in your conversation. He mentioned we're in Hartville, um, Ohio, which if you know this area, it's an extraordinarily white area. Um, however, we have an entire migrant population that I now get to work with, which was a, a feat of God that I was able to do that. Um, but we have an entire population there of an entire community that is rich, that is so culturally rich that probably 95% of the people in our town have no idea that's there. In our own neighborhood, there's diversity. I just, I just had to look. I mean, I just looked at, at our neighborhood when we moved in and it seemed very whitewashed, but man, there, there is diversity there. And so if you're looking for it, you'll find it. And don't let that be an excuse. Yeah. yeah sorry. I was just going to go back to life, like briefly, like looking was key for us, but that's that John four piece. Um, between the woman at the well and then reaping, his guys come back and they say, hey, Jesus, you should eat. <laughs> and he says, well, I have food that you know nothing about. And then they ask him, well, somebody must have fed him, right? And he says, no, my nourishment comes from doing the will of God who sent me. And you know the saying, there's four months between planting and harvest, which is where we ended up, this migrant population who shows up only to plant and then when the harvest is gone, they go to other parts of the country. So we get six months out of the year to live in diversity. So we said, let's lean in. <laughs> we got six months. But this is the part where Jesus says, open your eyes and look to the fields. And that's just our experience. So I'm not saying that that translates, but literally for us, he has to be that blunt. Like open your eyes and look to the fields and there are people. And I see you, he saw us but he wants us to see them and to step in. So I just, sorry, James, you got more important things. Go. Oh, no, I, I want to start, but I, I want to give the microphone to my wife because I think this like question applies to her greatly and deeply. And what I would say for us is like, I didn't grow up in a neighborhood like the one that like I live in now or the one we're moving to. The neighborhood I'm from is just like diverse, diversity, that is uh, brought together by the fact that everyone's poor. So there's racial diversity, but there is no socioeconomic diversity in like the part of Barbara and I grew up in. Like there were Serbian and Bosnian refugees, there is black people, there's white people, there's 
lots of different types of people in the part of Barberton I grew up in. So it's different than where I'm at right now. But what I love about what we do now is like not only with my wife and I, but with our community, we're a team. So our table is literally a potluck. And what I love about it is we all bring something different to the potluck. And God's designed us all different. He's designed us all unique. And he's made us all to bring something different to the potluck. So I'll bring up a situation and then I want you to speak into it. So because I'm me and I bring what I bring to the potluck, we moved across the street from a local high school. And I seen the football team practicing, so I was like, I'm going to be involved in what's going on. So I go over, and the coach, I'm like, hey, we're planting a church. Can we bring signs? Can we do team dinners? Can we, like, be a team sponsor? Do you need me to be a chaplain? And he looks at me, and he's like, no, I need you to coach these freshmen. If you really want to help me, be the freshman coach. We had 30 freshmen last year. And this year, sophomores, we have four because they're all ineligible. Can you help us? So, without any hesitation, I go, yes. Yes. And then I come home and I'm like, not only am I going to coach football, which I didn't know was going to take up like an extra 40 hours a week on top of church planning. Newlyweds, y'all. But then I was like, yo, every Monday we're going to do this thing called man class and we're going to have all 50 of the guys from the team come through the crib. We're going to talk about God, girls, and goals, and we're going to have a good time. So me, my homie Skyler, other people from our community, just dive straight in. Dive straight in. So I'll pass the mic to you. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm glad you shared about that, because I, what I was going to say, too, um, and I'll talk about that is um, I think to answer both questions, um, because I, like, I grew up, I know you said you can look for diversity, like I promise you I grew up in, in a school district, a neighborhood there was zero diversity, like I promise you. Um, and anyhow, that just goes back to like my upbringing and just so much desiring more. Um, so anyhow, to answer both questions, um, I think God really, this is, so basic, but I really think he wants us to pray. Um, I really think that he wants us to look for people of peace. That's a term that we use a lot. Um, people that want to do work with you and then go and stop talking about it and thinking it over and go. So um, for us, uh, it has continued, that going has continued to change. The high school that James is talking about, the boys that we began to invest in over three years now, um, it moved out of our neighborhood. And so we were like, what, God? Like, you open up the store, you brought in people of peace, what are you doing? And um, it's, it's, you know, that's what it was, and now we're on to a, a different go, and um, we, we are moving to a new neighborhood this weekend. Um, because, yeah, seriously, I'll buy you pizza. Um, that's like our, our deal. Um, uh, just pray. Look for people of peace. James and um, another pastor at our church, Skyler, they really connected with a couple other of the coaches. And not only were they investing into the young men, they were investing into the coaches, and they still are. Um, I was like cook um, and Febreze, because when you have 30 football, young men in your living room, it stinks. Um, 
But just pray about it. Look for those people of peace. Look for it. God is going to answer you. Like, if you ask, I promise you, he is going to answer you. Look for those people of peace and stick your feet out and, and do it and go. Can I, I, I just say something real quick? So, like, she be modest, but as, as we're, like, being, like, evangelists and, like, inviting, like, kids and coaches and everybody to know Jesus, like, there was one particular coach's wife who, like, would come to the games and, like, sit by herself. And, like, what Julia brings to the potluck is something way different than I bring. Like, I would never sit by someone by themselves who's at a football game, but she did. And, like, by the end of the season, like, what we found was, like, a group of people that was, like, gathering and, like, sitting around her. Like, we all bring something different to the potluck. And I think the challenge for us is, like, to actually, like, come. Come and bring what we have to the great potluck. Yeah, something I just want to say real quick, because like he just said, Julia's super modest. Um, knowing, knowing her, um, knowing James and, and watching him for the last however many years, I don't know, 10 years now, I think we know each other. Um, yeah, I think it has been longer. Uh, I know how much those spur of the moment decisions uh, can stress out a wife. Like if my husband came home and was like, hey, I'm gonna be coaching a team, I'm gonna be like, hey, no, you're not. Um, and <laughs> so like I know, I know from hearing James so passionately talk about them doing man class, I know that without Julia, it never would have happened. If Julia hadn't lent her gifts, if she hadn't, if she hadn't made the space hospitable, because I know James would have just opened the door, but Julia would have been like, hey, we need, to, we need to put some things away. We need to have some food to feed people. We need to like welcome, we need something for them to do when they're here. If that, if those are your gifts, I want you to hear the gift of hospitality is a gift that the kingdom needs. And she possesses that so deeply, so deeply. Please, if you, if you walk into a space and you immediately see what it needs to feel welcoming, you have a gift that is so needed. So needed. I had to beg her to be a part of this panel because she's like, I don't speak, I don't talk. I think we can all agree she does it beautifully. But also, like, the gift that she brings that is so necessary is she makes every space so welcoming. And so please, if, like, if that is something that you possess, I just want you to know and feel so affirmed in your gift that your gift is needed. And, that, and typically people who are gifted in that way are the ones who will never say it. And so I just wanted to say that for her. Um, I'll, I'll be brief. Uh, one, you can all come and work at Habitat for Humanity on a house. I'm just gonna, gonna throw that out there. Uh, I say that jokingly, but really, um, just be a part of something that uh, changes people's lives. Um, and and you, will, you will find diversity, even if it's not racially, you'll find it in many ways. So I'm gonna, I have to, I, come on, I have to say that. But also with some of my friends um, that we do is, we, we play like a cultural uh, ping pong. Like, we might say, you pick a movie, I'll pick a movie. That was like from your childhood that mattered to your family because for a person who grew up 
in predominantly white spaces and had an all-black family, I knew there were two worlds. We didn't watch Friends a lot. We watched Martin. <laughs> so, but like, but like none of my friends, none of my friends knew, at school knew what that was. So I had to know both. But like the older I get, I say, you pick something, I pick something. We'll go to eat. We're somewhere that has culturally diverse, like um, soul food. I'll go to a place that you like to pick. You know, let's pick a book. Let's do that. Let, we, we had a, a car a trip. And these are simple things. They're fun, too. But if you're having a road trip, it's like, what song comes to your head when you think of having fun? You pick a song, I pick a song. What do you think about being in love? You pick a song. That, and they're never the same songs, right? But we get to listen to the songs that were culturally important to us and what were culturally important to my other friends as well as they grew up. Easy, fun, it, it brought about conversation. Um, also, just roll up in somebody's church. I went to an all-Spanish mass. It was a blast. But like, why not? I didn't know anything that was being said. I just knew we were talking about Jesus. But like, it did my soul good to sit in their space and have to not, to not know what was going on. And they're all over the city. Go find it. Go, go just pick one Sunday and go to somebody else's church and, and, and learn uh, that experience. I think the thing that I would add on the pray is is add specifics to the prayer. Um, I mean, you said the people of peace, but ask for your eyes to be open and your ears to be open. Um, that's a dangerous prayer, but in in a very hard conversation, if you pray that dangerous prayer, even as she said so eloquently, God will answer. Um, so just be intentional with that prayer as well. Thank you.